Welcome to the Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. All right, here we are, another episode of Two Old Kids, Two Young Adults. It took me eight episodes, but I finally got it right. Two Old Kids, Two Young Adults. It's the opportunity for folks who are just coming up in the world to ask adults what they should be doing in certain aspects of their lives. And it's for us old folks to get the perspective of the young folks as they're coming up. And as usual, if you like what you see, give us a thumbs up. If you love it, share it with people. And if you want to hear what we got to say on a weekly basis, subscribe. So I'm here with my two co-hosts. I've got Capri and Alex. A little change of plans to our normal script. Uh, Capri is going to act more like a guest. Alex is going to act more like the expert because this week we're going to talk about what do you do to plan for your first year of college. And then we've got our special guest, Alisa, with us. Alisa, say hi to everybody. Hi. Alisa, why don't you give everybody an introduction? Just tell them where you're coming from, where you graduated from, and where you're going. Okay, so I'm Alisa. I just graduated from Mission Hills High School, and I will be attending uh, UCSD in the fall. Outstanding. That's a great school. And by the way, since uh, Capri is going to be our resident guest as well, Capri, give them the rundown where you come from, where you graduated, and where you're going. All right. Um, hi, I'm Capri, one of the co-hosts, but now guests on this podcast. And I just graduated um, from Sage Creek High School. Fun fact, Elise and I had a graduation on the same day. And next year, I will be attending Purdue University in Indiana to study biomedical health sciences. Very, very cool. Now let's talk about why Alex is the man. And by the way, before Alex jumped on, these young ladies are ready to grill him <laughs> when it comes to his experience at school. So the small little generation gap is that Alex has already graduated from high school, went to college, graduated from college, and is now a working class citizen paying his fair share of taxes and doing his part to make the world a better place. So Alex, maybe in the context of this conversation, you can tell them where you went to college, uh, what year you graduated, and then we'll get rolling. All right. Well, again, my name is Alex, as you guys know. I graduated from San Diego State University in December of 2020. I majored in psychology with a in industrial organizational psychology, which is basically like business psychology. So that sets the table. I'm just going to add one thing that all these young people share in common, which I think is going to be relevant to our audience. They were the first in their family, the first child, young adult in their family to go to college. So what that means is they really don't have a framework of can I ask my older brother or sister how it went? They're kind of going through this on their own for the first time, which is not, not unlike a lot of young people that I talk to. It's their the first member of the family to go or the circumstances in which they're going to school is different than their siblings. So 
what we did is we said, we've got an expert. We've got Alex here who's been through it. We've got two young ladies who are going to go through it in a different way. As Capri said, she's going to be flying partway across the country to go to college. Alisa is going to be going to school locally and commuting. So those are two different experiences. And we're going to let them fire away at Alex to talk about his last summer before he went to college. What was it like to show up on the campus on the first day? What was it like to get oriented? Oriented? Yeah, that's the word. And set up. And then what were the challenges he had? So ladies, it is all yours fire away. I will add some color commentary and I've got some thoughts when we get towards the end of our broadcast. You want to start us off, Lisa? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so Alex, I know that one of my major concerns is time management because there's a mm -hmm. lot going on in this new stage of life. Uh, we have classes studying. Um, I know a lot of people work and then we also have like, in my case, commuting and extracurriculars. So how do you, what are some tips to manage that time? That was a good question. Yeah, it's, um, it can be pretty complicated because all these different classes on every single day. In high school, there's a set schedule. You got first period, second period, third period, you know, same thing every day. So it's a little bit tougher in college. Um, I definitely, for the first few days, I recommend um, putting your classes like as your screensaver on your phone, just so it gets ingrained in your head. So, you know, like the room number, you know, your exact schedule. That was super helpful for me in the beginning of every single semester. And it's going to sound like something very old school advice, but I would buy a planner. I think planners are so helpful. I know one of the um, huge things for me was at the beginning of every single semester, I would look at all my syllabi and I would map it out, map out my entire semester. So um, if next week I had my first exam, I'd put that in there. So I can constantly know what the due dates are for all these assignments, all these exams. So that really helps with time management as well, just so I can be like, all right, got a week to, coming up until this exam, going to start studying now. So that really helps you manage your time as well, because unless you kind of know, all right, what do I need to focus on for the week? Did you write those things down? And like, I know one of my friends uses like Excel. Did you just write it down like on a piece of paper? Or how did you keep that organized? Excel works. Um, I personally, I, I literally got one to the book. Mm -hmm. So I got like the old fashioned planner, like paper and pen. Um, super old school. I have a whiteboard used mm -hmm. to, especially for finals time too. Um, just counting everything like on a whiteboard right there too. Yep. It gets it. I love it. Uh, no, that's Your super changes. helpful. Yeah. But Excel would work too, for sure. Google Docs, whatever works best for you. So then when you have these lists of tasks and you have all the responsibilities, it's always very tempting to procrastinate. How do you get over that mental barrier? That was a good question. So my personal <laughs> recipe for overcoming procrastination was <laughs> I'll do a little bit every single day. I think that was one of my, uh, my keys to success. So for me personally, I really started studying like a week before an exam. I'd go through my notes once, once per day. So I'm reading through them like seven times prior to the exam. So everything would be very much ingrained in my head. So that's why it's very easy to procrastinate. I would say the vast majority of kids, they study the night before. They write the essay the night before. And you can get it done, but you're going to cause yourself so much unnecessary stress. So I would plan ahead. I would just do a little bit every day just so you're not like, overwhelmed the night before or the day or day or two before kind of to follow up that question um 
did you have like a specific note taking or studying method you use? Cause like I, I use the Pomodoro method a lot and I think Cornell notes, did you use something similar, different? Like, how did you do that? Good old Cornell notes. Absolutely. I know yeah. Ms. Law would be super stoked to hear that too, but I'm a firm believer in Cornell notes. It really helped me organize just kind of what the topics are. If I knew I needed to focus on a specific topic, I can be like, all right, I know it's in this section of my notes, super organized, super easy. So I mean, I was a strong believer in Cornell knows for sure. You guys want to, um, I don't know if there's an easy question to answer, but for those who don't know, would you like to give a brief overview of what Cornell notes are? And the other one, the one that Capri mentioned at first. Capri, what was the other one? Oh, so the Pomodoro method, um, it means tomato in Italian because the guy who made it, he used a tomato timer when he was a little kid. But basically it's like blocking your studying into I use 25 minutes because that's like my key productive time. But you do like 25 minutes and then you take a break and then you do 25 minutes. So you assign each task a time. And Cornell, how would you describe that? So Cornell notes, it's been a very long time since I last used them. But basically, um, you you get a piece of paper and you have a section on the left-hand side. So... On the way I did, I know there's like a specific way to do it, but really what works for me is you got the uh, specific topic on the left-hand side, then all of your notes are on the right-hand side. It's a very small sliver on the page where you can organize everything by topic. And then the topic for is on the right-hand side of it. Um, probably not the best explanation, but um, yeah. that's that's what I remember from it. I know Miss mm-hmm. Law is a pretty firm believer in that. Am I, uh, am I off there, Capri? Yeah, no, you're pretty um good, but just like that left-hand margin column side, um, you put like you can put questions to help you go back study later. Mm-hmm. So I usually do like vocab yes. words. I'll just write the vocab word on that side. So then I'll be like, I can look on the right side and be like, oh, the vocab definition is right here. Or you can write questions or like anything that will help enhance your notes goes on the left side. Exactly. Yeah. So writing questions too, just so you can kind of go back, maybe even go during office hours too, or to ask a professor after that too. You got that little margin to where you can write those questions and topics. Yeah. So then when you're in class, sorry, when you're in class, what is oh, the best way to take notes during lecture? There's actually studies that show writing it by hand is the best way to retain information. I know for one of my psychology classes, um, our professor, she was like, you can't, can't be digital, can't be taking notes on Google Docs because the best way to retain that information is writing it by hand on a piece of paper. I only did that for that class and I did very well in those classes. Like I definitely, the research backs it up for sure. But for the most part, I took notes on um, Google Docs. I would honestly recommend not doing that because as I'm sure you can imagine, it is very easy to go to another website surf the web yeah. because you're already, you're on Google docs, you're on the internet. So I would highly recommend just doing handwritten notes. Is handwriting uh, still as effective when the teacher is talking really fast? That's what uh, I was going to uh, ask. Like, yeah. is it hard to keep up? Yeah. Honestly, I find for myself, I typing was a little bit harder to keep up with the professor. For me, writing down with, um, like handwritten notes much faster, even if the professor mm-hmm. is speaking really quickly. And um, definitely a um, big recommendation I have as well is using Quizlet. I'm sure you guys have used Quizlet. Yeah. That was an absolute lifesaver in college too. Um, that helped me so much because it's one thing to look at your notes, but actually using the flashcards and testing your knowledge before, so helpful. I would definitely recommend using Quizlet as well. Okay, so um, old people want to know what Quizlet is, so why don't you explain that? 
it's literally virtual flashcards is what it is. So um, I actually started taking notes on Quizlet and that was, yeah. That's genius. Yeah, I started taking notes on Quizlet. So literally what the professor is saying, what's on the PowerPoints, um, basically like my word or something, that would just be, you know, the topic of it. So it was like, all right, what's the psychology term? So very in-depth notes on the back. Um, so yeah, it's literally, so you got the term, then you quiz yourself, click a little button and then flips over and you got the definition. So um, highly recommend taking notes on Quizlet. I have um, another question or two questions. One is really short, one a little longer. Um, have you ever, um, I know like some people record what their professor is saying if they talk too fast. Have you ever done that? I have not done that. No, um, there's definitely some parts where I'm like, well, I definitely need them to slow down, but um, no, I, I've never really recorded anyone. And then my other question is, do you have any um, advice for like tackling like a really, really hard class or just like where the professor isn't maybe the best, um, like what, when it's like mostly yourself doing, there's like not much that you can get from the lectures. How do you do well in a class like that? Um, I highly recommend going to their office hours, especially when it has those classes where you have to write papers. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it's kind of an ambiguous thing, grading papers. So if they go, they see your face in their office hours and they show, it shows them, all right, this person cares. And if they're a little bit stricter or a little bit tougher, I think they would be a little bit more lenient grading on you, even if it's a little bit tougher because you show them that you cared. So, and then again, it's the chance for them to expand upon what they're seeing lecture as well. So yeah, I was, I went to office hours quite frequently. So office hours are just kind of like an extension of the class or a chance to ask questions because we didn't have those at my high school. So I don't really yeah, know. Yeah. So basically what office hours are, um, they put this pretty much all professors will put this in the, um, in their syllabus, but basically it's just time for you to pop in there, they're in their office. And if you have questions about, you know, a topic that was discussed in class, if you want some feedback on your papers as well, which I highly recommend doing that. It's really just kind of one-on-one -on -one time for you. Usually there's like a pretty short line because most college kids don't go to office hours. I don't know why, but most of them don't. So usually a pretty short line. Um, and yeah, it's really just a one-on-one -on -one time for you guys to chat and go over any, any topics. Um, so I was wondering, what are some common misconceptions that people usually have, like in their first year of college that turned out to not be that way? I thought my first year, like my going to college, I was like, oh man, like I'm going to be so busy. Like I'm going to be studying nonstop, going to classes. You got a lot of free time on your hands in college. I'm not going to lie. So, which makes the uh, time management that much, um, that much more important too, because very easy to push it off. But yeah, I, you got a lot more free time in college than I expected, to be honest. So that's definitely one misconception. Hi. Hey. Uh, I got a follow-up question to that, Alex. Uh, I'm sure in a college environment, there are things that can get you distracted real easy, particularly when you've got that extra, your time, whether that's, I mean, you went to a prestigious university when it comes to sports, basketball, football, those are all those extracurricular activity type things, not to mention, and I'll let you expand on Greek life and how that may fit into everything, but there's also the fun part of it. I'm, I'm actually interested in things that you would have observed people and you're like, Ooh, that's a mission for crash and burn. And how did you manage that for yourself so that you did not end up adding a semester or a year 
You're one of the rare ones that got out on time at a state university. So I'm curious how you create balance, particularly when you're just getting acclimated to that new environment. Yeah, especially when you're first getting on there, it gets uh, very easy to kind of get lost in all the, you know, how fun college can be. Um, I feel like really one of the main things for me is I, you got to have some self-control. It's very easy to get caught up in everything, but, you know, obviously you want to have fun. You want to go out um, for the most part for me, I would only do that on the weekends. Um, I oftentimes took pretty early classes too, which is, so I'm not going to, you know, go out on a Tuesday night most of the time. So I, I really think just having, trying to make some sort of a schedule for yourself is very helpful and it'll prevent you from going crazy too often. Yeah. That's a really good segue to talk about like clubs and extracurriculars. Alyssa, do you, or at least do you have any like more questions about this? Uh, no, just some clarification almost. I know joining clubs is super important, especially to maintain like a pretty good social life on campus versus just treating college as like strictly work. You also want to like enjoy your time there. So how do you uh, not be afraid to join those clubs and reach out and test those waters? That's a really good question. And it can be a little bit overwhelming when you're first going on. I know um, I, I was in Greek life, so um. I'd go through the rush process, but I think really important thing to keep in mind is that everyone, it's a fresh start for everybody. You know, whoever you were in high school, whatever hometown you came from, like it's a fresh start for you. And everyone's trying to make friends. I know really the first few weeks of college are some of the greatest memories ever because everyone is so open to meeting new people. You can talk to someone in, in line for at a Starbucks in the cafeteria in class everyone just keep that in mind like no one's gonna like look at you like weird for striking up conversation with them everyone wants to make friends too i was fortunate enough to have like two really good friends from high school come with me to college so i them but i really wanted to get out of my comfort zone and for the most part people barely know anyone so keep that in mind everyone's looking to make friends and then real quick a uh, follow-up question to that is it, I've heard it's harder when you're commuting versus living on campus and constantly in that environment. Is that true? Or do you know any people that like got over that? Um, I do not know. I, I know a few people who commuted. Uh, I think it just kind of depends on yourself. I know some people who are very content commuting. Um, I feel like it is a little bit easier to um, strike that balance for sure. You're not getting caught up in all the stuff that goes on in the college campus with the sports and the parties and everything but i don't know a whole lot of people who commuted but i know again just kind of depends on the person for some people i'm sure it works out great for them for others maybe they'd rather be on campus mm -hmm. i've got some um, thoughts on that if you want me to kind of pipe in um i actually grab i took some notes because i have spoken with some young people i work with who commute particularly ones that are going to like a a two-year school, typically that's commuting. Yeah. And so I'll just give you guys a couple things to think about, uh, particularly you, Lisa, who's going to be doing that. Um, Alex alluded to this at the beginning, which is having a schedule, like in, in trying to put your classes on as many, stacking them on days yeah. like Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. If you're trying to go back and forth to campus four times a week, that can be kind of exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. And if you can find a way as you get more comfortable to spend time there on the weekends with maybe some of your friends who are or relationships you've developed that are on campus, that will help. I mentioned 
being involved with sports, but that's not the only thing. Any type of campus events where you can still feel like you're part of um, part of the of the activity base that's going on there. Try to identify other students that are also commuting. That might be an opportunity if they live where we live, you guys can commute together. So you have that camaraderie, maybe even trying to identify opportunities to stay, you know, eat your meals on camp. Can I repeat that sentence, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) I try to identify relationships with people who are not only in your classes. So you can form these little study groups, but planning on being there on those days that you're going to be there and cementing those relationships. The thing I mentioned that might've got cut off is you also want to find people who also might be commuting. You can have relationships with them. But I think the biggest thing is try to move, even if you don't do it physically, mentally, emotionally, try to move in the direction where you're part of that campus, where you don't feel like you're an outsider. So anything that you can do to spend the day there when you're there would be fantastic. Even if you're in the library, you're in a study group, spend the time there during the day. And if you come home, you don't have any classes that next day. Same routine. Like, like Alex. We trust you. Got yeah, it. we're back. Okay, okay so we three. were talking about there are not many differences between commuting and living on campus. As long as you try to immerse yourself in the environment. So let's say, Alisa, you've got two classes on Tuesday, two classes on Thursday. I would make that a full day. Mm-hmm. Get involved. If there's a sport, sporting event, try to get there. Some type of music, get there. Clubs, get there. Make, that, make, make it part of your day that you're going to yep. spend the whole day there. And, you know, folks in classes are getting run over by the professors too at the speed. They're getting used <laughs> to that. The other thing is, Alex, I don't know if you could speak to this, more reading more reading is usually the other thing I hear. Study groups are super important. So I think the idea is don't isolate yourself. And I've said this on 8 million of our recordings, get comfortable being uncomfortable, get out of your comfort zone, meet new people, understand that they're going through it at the same time you are, and just start to immerse yourself in the culture. And like you said, get involved with clubs, just go out there and do it. And um, you'll you'll have some fun. So important. So I don't know if I don't know if you would agree with that, Alex. Uh, but I think the similarities of on campus totally. and off campus are, are I won't say they're identical because they're not, but you do have an advantage in that you get to transition. When Capri gets on an airplane and she flies to Purdue, there's no I'll be home tomorrow. <laughs> it, she's there. So we'll talk a little bit about that kind of transition part. And Alice can speak to that because he had to go through it too. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't look at yourself as a commuter. Do everything you can to yeah. put yourself in the environment so that you're having a college experience. And that may change as you get more comfortable. Maybe you decide that you're going to stay there a couple of years in. So that's my two cents on that. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you can have a great college experience, whether you're on campus, whether you commute as well. But I think Ed makes a really good point. Don't think of yourself as a commuter student. Maybe just you're not living on campus, but there's so much to do on a college campus. There's clubs to join, obviously sporting events, even just going to the library, immersing yourself like with the people, the culture, even if you're just 
by yourself. I think that's so important. Just, I mean, you're on a college campus. It's really cool. A bunch of good places to eat food and stuff. So definitely immerse yourself in that culture and that campus. It's so important. You have a phenomenal time, whether you're living on campus or whether you are commuting. Five more questions. These are easy questions for him. I want the tough ones. Okay. okay. Um, this one's probably not as tough, but it might be a little long. So um, at my school, uh, Greek life is kind of a big part of it. Would you mind talking a little bit more about like the rushing process? Because I don't really get it. And I know it's yeah. different for like guys and girls, but I'm pretty sure it's like similar. Yeah, it is definitely similar. Um, for I know for girls, you guys, I know at San Diego State, I'm not sure if it's different for different schools, but you have to rush every single sorority. And I know it's like, I think it's like an eight or 10 hour day of like three or four straight days of just talking to people all the time and getting all dressed up and stuff. And a lot of people really like the process. You meet a lot of really, really cool people. And for you know, fraternities too, you basically rush the houses that you would like to join. So really, it's just a lot of socializing, seeing really who you click with, who your people are. And usually there's like a, I know for fraternities, there's themes to the rush events um but really speaking towards sororities i know it's like they are very long days for sure so get ready for that but in the end it's super worth it i know joining greek life for me was one of the best decisions i've made in my life i grew so much as a person i made some awesome memories so rushing it can be tough even when you're in the fraternity or in the sorority rush events they can be they can be a little bit tiring at times it's very stressful a lot going on but um i would highly recommend it what is rushing so rushing is basically you go to the um different greek houses on campus and then basically you're talking to everyone seeing who you click with and at the end of the day um you're extended a bid to join that fraternity or sorority so basically what rushing is it's kind of it's almost like speed dating of sorts or just dating in general. It's just um, maybe it's not the best way to put it, but um, you're basically seeing who you click with, who you like, do you, you know, do they get along with you? Do you get along with them? Do you like their vibe? So that's um, maybe not the best way to explain what rushing is, but I don't think uh, hopefully that's Now that I got to explain what speed dating is. They don't know what that is. You guys know what speed dating is? <laughs> you know what? If you don't know what speed dating is, look it up. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Self-explanatory. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, okay, do you want to maybe talk about like transitioning to high or college and like dorm life or like roommate? I know, Lisa, you don't really have a part in this, but I'm really no, nervous okay. about it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard a whole lot of roommate horror stories. Um, but yeah, it, it can be a little bit tough. I mean, you're sharing your space with someone else. Like, I know coming, it, it can be a little bit difficult, especially, you know, sharing bathrooms and stuff. So um, there's, to be honest with you, there's probably going to be conflict eventually. I mean, when you're in close quarters with one, two, sometimes even more people, it's bound to happen. But I think just kind of setting those expectations very early on, like, mm -hmm. hey, like if there is a problem, like just let's just have a civil conversation about it. And I think a very co helpful conversation to have as well is asking your roommates, like, hey, do you have any pet peeves? Like, am I, you know, any living habits that mm -hmm. would bother you? Um, and I'll make sure, you know, not to do that. So again, setting those expectations very early on to see, all right, how are we going to resolve it if there is a conflict and then doing what you can to avoid having a conflict and just letting them know, Hey, letting them know too, like, Hey, this is something that bothers me. I think it's super helpful. 
Oh, I'll give I you horror stories. Know. I've heard them all. <laughs> I shouldn't say them all. I've heard oh, them. man. That, that I, can be another episode. Yeah. I do know from my friends that have like already gone to college uh, when it comes to like the roommate thing. Another important thing is to ask what the other person's study habits are. So if they like to study at home or away or if they listen to music or they like it dead silent, it's important to know those boundaries. And then like if they're a night person or a morning person and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a very good point. You get to know your roommates too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any tips on how to be a good roommate like yourself? Like obviously like, be nice clean up after yourself but is there anything that you wouldn't normally think of but it was like really great in your relationship with your roommate I think it's just a matter of having respect for the other person you know it's you know if you're like okay this is something that would bother me just don't do it really putting yourself in your roommate's shoes um I think that's really just the best piece of advice I can give you. And again, setting those expectations up front for sure. And it's going to be a learning curve you know oftentimes I'm you're coming from living with your parents. So living with someone else who is your age, different background, different habits and everything is going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but you'll get to know your roommates and kind of what makes them tick, what bothers them. Um, It's really just all trial and error, but really putting yourself in their shoes is uh, very helpful. Great answer. Um, Hold on. I have like a whole list of all my questions. I'm an open book. What is a dorm essential that you didn't realize you needed or wanted until like you kind of settled in and then got it and you're like, wow, so glad I have this. Oh, wow. That is a really good question. Um, I think a Brita filter is extremely important to have. <laughs> I know awesome. I know we had like water fountains on our floor, but I know like sometimes it was in the middle of the night, ran out of water. I like walk out in the hallway at 3 a.m., refill up my water bottle come back in my dorm, I really wish I'd had a Brita filter. I got that the next few years, but I would highly recommend having a Brita filter ready to go. And then apart from that, what are three dorm essentials that you think every person should have in their dorm? I think having some food is very important. I know usually you'll be like eating out, but sometimes you don't want to walk all the way to get food. So I think just having a little stash of food is very helpful if you want a midnight snack or something and everything is closed. Um, definitely want to have that laundry basket for sure too. Want to make sure that you have a laundry basket. Um, and then I think just a place to really put all like a container of some sort to really put all like your personal items to make sure that your roommates don't mess with it. I know sometimes, you know, you have, you usually have like a closet or something, but just something to store everything. And I think it's super helpful, especially for those things that you don't want your roommates messing with. Like a oh, noise canceling headphones. Maybe. I heard those are big. You got to have them. Yeah. Yeah. Noise canceling headphones are super helpful because yeah, sometimes you're going to have friends in the dorm too. You're trying to study and you put on some study music. Um, yeah. I, I would definitely recommend doing uh, noise canceling headphones. Sorry, Capri. I cut you off. No, you're good. I don't remember what I was going to say. It's just... um, what are some dorm room like no-no's? Like, don't do that. No, no's. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, what was there like any ever a time where someone like did something you're like, like, "Mm -mm, bad, don't ever do that again? Um, I mean, there were a few times I know my um, (laughs) my roommate, he loved video games, he played Fortnite all the time. And so sometimes he would just be like screaming at Fortnite, it'd be like three or four a.m. And I was like, 
first of all, what are you still doing out playing Fortnite at 3 or 4 a.m.? Second of all, why are you shouting at it? So that's just like one thing I was just like, I, we're sleeping. We're college kids. Like, don't wake us up. Um, I, I'd, I'd get mad about it. I was like, dude, really? Uh, but in terms of no-nos, again, really just putting yourself in the other people's shoes, I think it's um, very important. You, you'll kind of know, too, like once you get their general etiquette, dorm etiquette. Okay. Also, um, I, I don't know if you experienced this because San Diego is pretty close to um, where you grew up, but yeah. do you have any like tips for homesickness? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I was like 45 minutes away. So for me, like being homesick wasn't, um, I didn't really get that, but I know from talking with a lot of people too, I think just being honest with yourself, you know, I think it's going to be normal to experience some feelings of homesickness. Um, don't repress it, you know, don't try to pretend like it's not there because it'll happen. So, you know, have your friends that you call be very communicative with your friends and your family back home. And I think also too, when you are, if you are feeling a little bit melancholy, have like a thing to fall back on that makes you happy um, i know for me it's working out like whenever i'm feeling a little bit blue or something um i know a lot of people too they loved going to the gym whenever they felt homesick that's kind of maybe a weird piece of device but whether it's the gym going for a walk hanging out with friends whatever it may be have like a fallback activity that you can do that just makes you happy Speaking of uh, communication, do you have any ways that you can keep in touch with friends that might be going to a different college a little further away, having to do that long distance friendship thing? Yeah, um, that can be tough for sure, especially because there's so much going on when you're first going to college. But um, I know for me, um, Snapchat was super helpful. You got, you got the Snapchat streak going, so you're that much more motivated to keep it open that the lines of communication open, but I really recommend Snapchat. You can snap a quick picture of yourself to them. And just so you can, again, know that you're thinking about them. So um, I would definitely recommend using Snapchat to um, keep those relationships open. It's easy. It's fast. You can do it every single day. Um, I wanted to just add something to what um, Alex said, because I talked to a buddy of mine who's also a psychologist and he, uh, he just so happens to be in nutrition and in uh, physical fitness. And he said that do everything you can do it to avoid the freshman 15. Don't <laughs> sit in your room and chow down and add on weight. He said real, that idea of working out or staying active or riding a bike, or just being out when you can be and getting your vitamin D and getting your sunlight is huge. And he yep. said, you know, watch what you eat, take care of your body, particularly at the beginning. I mean, all the time, but particularly at the beginning, because that's such a big transition anyways. It gets real easy to get into bad habits. So Alex is talking about snacks. I mean, I've talked to young people who they just went nuts and like plowing pizza and all this other stuff. Try to keep some balance in that and get out there and, you know in the quad, like you see in the movies and throw the Frisbee around or whatever it is that you need to do to, to get outside and get active and make that part of that routine that we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah. And just mental health wise too, that's so important, whether there's intramural mm -hmm. sports, going to the gym on campus, going for a walk, whatever it may be. Um, just, as I'm sure you guys know, release the endorphins. I know that was something that was always taught to us in, uh, in PE at Stage Creek, but it is really important. I mean, it's really an antidepressant. So um, I, that's so important, you know, so you can try to, you know, hopefully keep off the freshman 15. And it's mental health wise too. It is huge. 
Um, do you find that it's easier to like, when you first started or as a freshman, it was easier to like invite people to do things that maybe were off campus or like on campus? Interesting question. That's kind of a random question. In, ter- um, in terms of like, it, was it easier to um, do things on campus as compared to off campus? Is that what you're asking? Well, I was just talking about like, oh, like in the movies, they're like throwing the frisbee and stuff. Like, is it easier to be like, oh, do you want to go like play like spike ball or something? Or do you think people are more apt to be like, oh, like, let's go to like dinner at a restaurant in like town or whatever? Mm, I don't I know. That's a good question. I think it really, I think it's probably easier to do stuff on campus. It's central. It's usually a few minutes walk away, but I also think it kind of depends on where you are. Like San Diego State, it's in, we don't really have a college town per se. I know for a lot of places, like they have a great college town. So it's like, all right, let's go to this restaurant. Let's go to this place. It really just depends on where you are. But as a rule of thumb, I would say it's a lot easier and just to do it on campus. There's grass areas. You can just play spike ball, throw the frisbee around. Super easy to do that. You can do that in between classes. So yeah, super convenient doing it on campus. And there's a lot of areas that you can do stuff like that. I You just made me think of something. So um, earlier we were talking about stacking classes. Mm-hmm. What is a good time between classes? Because if I want to stack like my classes, make sure I have two or like maybe even three on one day, how much time should I make sure I have in between? Because I am um, talking to my academic advisor tomorrow morning to go like put together my schedule. Mm-hmm. So, oh, know. exciting. In terms of like, yeah. if you're stacking classes, like how much time, like so yeah. student gets class on, on time? Yeah. Or like, I don't know. What's a good balance, you think? That's a good question. It really just depends on you. I know some people, they would stack their classes where they only had literally two days of classes every single week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was for them, it just worked for me. I'd probably just get burnt out. Um, in general, it just really depends on how big the campus is. Cause do you want enough time to get from class to class? But that'd be a good question to ask your academic advisor as well. Cause they will have more mm-hmm. of a general idea of like how big the campus is. All right. Where's this building compared to this one? Make sure that you can get to those classes on time as well. But yeah, I mean, for me, I liked four or five days of classes two, three classes a day. That just yeah. worked for me. But um, again, just really, I would start off by spreading it out. Like I wouldn't start with like, all right, two days of just nonstop classes for eight hours. I wouldn't recommend doing that in the beginning. Um, in the beginning, I would just try to make it a little bit more balanced, two, three mm-hmm. classes a day. If you had to stack classes of like multiple ones in the same day, like would you give yourself like an hour between them, two hours between or like 30 minutes? I really like, I don't know. You might not have the option. Um, it's mm. kind of just depends. And you might, but in general, I just kind of like getting them over with, to be honest with you. I like 10, 15 minutes in between classes, maybe like 20 so I can grab a quick bite to eat or something. But for me, I was just like, boom, boom, boom. I just want to get it over with. You don't need that one. Yeah. Um, going back to mental health for a second, uh, what are some ways to prevent burnout and like, Make sure that all the work and the heavy schedule doesn't get to you, especially at the beginning of the year, because I know that's huge for me personally. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for me, exercise was huge. That's a great way to relieve stress. And I think, again, it's just being smart about how you study, about how you complete your products and do your homework. I would not recommend waiting until the night before. You're going to cause a lot of stress, especially if you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't even touched my book for this exam. 
it, that's that's going to take a toll on you. So again, don't procrastinate. Be smart about it. Um, exercise is huge, and then just having friends too. Just mm-hmm. have some things that you do with your friends, whether it's an intramural sport going to a restaurant, whatever it may be, is just having those outlets because like, laughing is good for the soul. Hanging out with your friends, good for the soul. So um, that's super important too, just having a really good friend group. Um, also on that, like, is did your campus have like specific people you could turn to if you needed help or like help with your mental health? Yeah, it was actually, um, I believe it was actually free. Um, there was one that you could talk to on campus. We even had a, a therapy dog named Baxter. Um, I, I definitely saw Baxter once or twice and they actually um, brought him out to during finals week for just, they actually brought like a bunch of dogs on campus to um, to pet during finals week. Um, but yeah, there are absolutely resources. Mental health is such a huge thing on college campuses and there are resources available. So definitely ask around and they usually advertise those things pretty well too especially when you're just getting on campus and you're a freshman they know people are going to be homesick so just be on the lookout for that there are absolutely plenty of resources and college campuses for that this has been really awesome Uh, this is the best these are amazing questions Um, i know we're going a little bit over the typical time but i think it's important alex i wanted to ask you a question about campus safety Uh, Mm -hmm. recommendations or thoughts uh, for young men and young women on the campus, just to make sure that they're taking, uh, they're being careful. I don't want to get people to get paranoid, but we got to be careful out there. Do you have any yeah. thoughts, any um, totally. things that you can share? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I think walking in groups, especially at, ne- at night time is at the utmost importance. If you're going to the library, if you're going to a social event, walk in a group for sure, carry pepper spray just to be safe. I mean, they're not, again, like Ed said, don't want to make anyone paranoid. Like these sorts of things don't, aren't super frequent, but they're possible. So I think the most important thing for sure is just walking in a group, especially at nighttime, always at nighttime. By the way, Capri, I wanted to share one thing about for you. I'm from New England, so I'm going to tell you to get a down jacket and the best pair of boots you can afford to keep those puppies warm and dry. I have. Well, I don't know if they're actually good, but I think they're great. I've had this like these snow boots and I got them for $5 at a big five, like five years ago. And they're just like nice Columbia snow boots. So I'll definitely try them out, but I'm going to take your advice. And I'm, my thing is I'm from California. I don't know what to do in the snow. So when I get <laughs> to Indiana, I'm going to ask the people from Indiana what I need for the snow and then I'll get it. Smart. <laughs> Cause I don't want to buy like water proof jackets and they're like no you need the warmest jacket not a waterproof jacket like you know yeah ask around the, the locals will know better all right bit, so so alisa you have any more questions for alex you i'm good I you're good capri you got any more questions i just have one more question and i think this might come a little bit later in college but I don't know it depends so from my school research is a really big um like important thing like almost every well everyone in my major does research at some point or gets an internship with um in that field but how do you get those opportunities for yourself um 
that's a very good question. Yeah, research is so important, especially if you're wanting to go to grad school with that relevant experience. Um, I think asking your professors in your classes, you know, if you're taking a biology class, ask the professor, hey, you know, do you have any research that you're doing right now? Or just asking, you know, do you have any other professors that you know of that are conducting research right now? These are my mm -hmm. interests. And again, you know, they want to help kids. They really want to help you. They will get you connected to the right person, even if it's not them they're definitely going to know someone with that interest so just asking around asking your professors it's so important or also going to um your guidance counselor as well i know there's usually like department specific guidance counselors i know there was yeah. for psychology so another great place there is to um ask for research opportunities too great great advice um, so, and then, oh go ahead Free. oh this is this is the last one um i know that making relationships with your professors is like really important and you want them to like, you know, like be on your side. Um, what are some tips you have for doing that? Um, going to office hours for sure. Um, and then just participating in classes. Yeah. I'll definitely remember, write it down office hours, go to their office <laughs> hours. It'll be on the syllabus. It'll have the location, the dates, the times um, to go to the office hours and participate in class too. Um, oftentimes most kids are surfing the web or they're on their phone, they're not really paying attention, but if they see that you're consistently paying attention, you're answering questions, you're asking questions, um, that will really go a long way with them. So I wanted to wrap up with a couple things. We didn't talk about the parents, so let me say a couple things about you parents. Mm -hmm. um, parents, if your kid calls and you sense that there's something going on, it doesn't sound right to you, listen. Yep. Don't take anything for granted. Just don't assume that it's just, oh, they're homesick. That could be it. But pay attention, particularly if you're getting multiple calls, and make sure that you know what the resources are at the university and be sure to get involved. Um, additionally, when they stop calling, <laughs> and they will, uh, don't take that personally. And don't feel like that means you have to reach out and stalk them. <laughs> this is part of that transition. <laughs> they're going from living at your home. They're going to have a little bit of a challenge adapting some more than others, particularly if they're a little shy or they're introverted. Um, but at some point they're going to fly and they are going to find their way. And uh, it ties into they're going to find new friends. They're going to find new things to do. Um, but seriously, if something is, doesn't sound right, um, just be careful. Make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're listening to them. Not always giving advice, but just listening. Um, and just if they want some help, uh, offer it to them. If not, just pay attention and keep an eye on them. For you young folks out there, this is your first time going away from home for an extended period of time. Do not try to do it alone. Get connected with people. Your, uh, I thought Alex made a good point about professors folks that you're taking classes with, get involved with study groups, get involved with activities. Do not isolate yourself. And for Lisa, you were talking about commuting. The same rules apply. Do what you can to get engaged, be part of it, and realize that college is a place to get an education, but it's also a place to get some experience to grow. And then the last thing is always be safe. Be yep. careful.
um, be smart about your surroundings. Be as smart about people you don't know. Uh, people, you know, I heard this one piece of advice, whether it's a soda or an adult beverage, make sure you have it with you all the time. Do not leave it on a counter let somebody mess around with it and put something in it just be smart about what's going on and i don't care if it's san diego indiana massachusetts florida um, we live in a different world and you just got to make sure you take care of yourself and be aware of your surroundings so i did this last week's to alex so i'm going to do it this week to capri capri put your hosting cap back on and sign us off and if you butcher it that's okay i do it all the time so say bye to the folks out there been there <laughs> and there does not. Okay, probably won't put you out. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us. I had a great time getting to know Elisa and um, learning from Alex this week. If you like our podcast, don't forget to share and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Wow, that was pretty good. Make sure and subscribe to this show so you don't miss the next episode of Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We want to hear from you as well. You can email us at 2ok2ya at gmail.com.